Dragons. Hello, South Dakotans. Welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show, aiming to keep America, its citizens, and minds free. Now, here's your host, Daryl Root. Hello and welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show. This is episode number 82. Today's main topic is unwarranted surveillance, the devices they use, commonly known as stingrays and crossbows, and there's some other ones too. I'll get into that in the second half of the show, but first my usual shout out to Danheim, the provider of all the music used on this show, and also to Arabelle Kimmick, who does all the voiceover work. She can be found at arabellevoiceoverartist.com. You can help support this show by subscribing to YouTube and or any of my other channel platforms. It helps with the algorithms, it helps with suggestions, and it just helps me to get my name out there. Alright, so let's get to the first half of the show, which you all know is tidbits. If you're watching on video, you'll see a slightly different graphic set up today. I actually got pictures and headlines along instead of just a list. So anyway, number one. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in Houston after he and his InfoWars website were ordered to pay about $1.5 billion for spreading conspiracy lies about the 2012 Sandy Hook mass shooting. In case you forgot or you just crawled out from underneath a rock, Sandy Hook Elementary is where the killing of 20 students and 6 staff members took place. Jones claimed the government staged the shooting with actors, oh my goodness, as part of a government plot to seize American guns. Now, I love a conspiracy just like anybody else does, but hey, I know most conspiracies are exactly that. Conspiracies, nothing true. Come on, people, you need to quit watching movies. Hollywood will turn your brain into mush. Oops, forgot. Alex Jones, apparently his brain was already mush. Uh, the trial was marked by weeks of anguished testimony from the families who recounted how Jones lied about Sandy Hook compound, about how, yeah, let me start that again. The trial was marked by weeks of anguished testimony from the families who recounted how Jones' lies about Sandy Hook compounded their grief. While bankruptcy can be used to wipe out debts, not so if they result from willful or malicious injury caused by the debtor. Three points I want to make about this. Number one, while Jones did cash in off his claims, now it's the Sandy Hook parents who are trying to cash in on his cash in. So which is worse? A child is dead who isn't coming back. You're putting a price on your child's head. Really? There is no price to life. You're also claiming you should be rewarded because stupid people believe stupid ideas. Hey, if that was legit, we'd all be rich. Number two, I'd like to point out, as someone, as I said earlier, some conspiracies are true. I'd like to think the government wouldn't use children to further their agenda, in this case banning guns, but look up the history of eugenics where children were sterilized against their will. Google that someday. 
eugenics and you can add North Carolina and California into that search. Anything's possible. Number three, willful and malicious injury. I don't think Jones was trying to harm any of the parents at Sandy Hook. I don't believe it was intentional. Some anti-government hacks just can't accept reality of terrible events. Number two, eating a blah-tasting plant-based diet rich in vegetables, whole grains, nuts, and legumes can reduce the risk of bowel cancer in men by more than one-fifth, according to research. A large study involving nearly 80,000 men found that those who ate the largest amounts of healthy plant-based foods had a 22% lower risk of bowel cancer compared with those who ate the least. Unfortunately for women, eh, the research isn't so good for you. The researchers found no such link among the 90,000 plus women who were included in the research. Quote, Colorectal cancer was the third most common cancer worldwide, and the risk of developing cancer, said cancer over a lifetime, is 1 in 23 for men and 1 in 25 for women, or about 4 to 5% chance overall. If you do the math, a 22% reduction from 4 to 5% is still pretty close to 4 to 5%. You know, hey, for that little bit of amount, I'm not eating that blah-tasting food unless my taste buds want me to. The article goes on to explain how the research was conducted, such as what foods were eaten, how often, portion size, subjects, weights, and more. Researchers speculate that the antioxidants found in foods such as fruits, vegetables, and whole grains could contribute to lowering cancer risk by suppressing chronic inflammation, which can lead to cancer. Researchers cautioned that the observational nature of the study meant no conclusions could yet be made about a casual relationship between plant-based food intake and colorectal cancer. Cancer. So, friends, if be like me, bring on the meat. Yeah, bring on that good-tasting stuff, not that cardboard-tasting lettuce. Okay, number three. Let's try this again. <laughs> the USDA gives first ever approval to fecal transplant therapy. Yeah, in a somewhat related topic, the US health regulator approved a Switzerland-based company's fecal transplant therapy to reduce the recurrence of a bacterial infection, making it the first therapy of its kind to be cleared in the United States. The therapy from Faring Pharmaceuticals is called Rebiota, based on the rest of the story. I'm going to assume that's how it's pronounced, also known as Clostridium difficile or C. difficile. What is it? It's a superbug responsible for infections that can, that can cause serious and life-threatening diarrhea. In the United States, the infection is associated with 15 to 30,000 deaths annually. Who would have thought diarrhea would kill up to 30,000 people every year? That just sounds bizarre to me. 
While this is the first such therapy approved by the FDA for recurrent C. difficile infections, fecal, fecal microbiotic transplants have long been the standard of care in the U.S. for this condition. And you can tell I don't use medical terms too often. Rebiota is delivered through an enema and works by replenishing good gut bacteria through samples of microbes distilled, uh, important word here, distilled from the feces of healthy donors. Again, distilled is the key word. Now, I've heard of swapping spit, swapping spouses, swap meats. This kind of gives a whole new definition to swapping, you know. Yeah, no thanks, is, would be my first thought. Uh, no pricing and availability of the therapy has been mentioned. Series Therapeutics is developing a similar therapy in an oral treatment based on such transplantation. Uh, somehow, I don't think I'd orally you know, want to take an oral treatment for fecal transplants? That just sounds bad. Okay, number four. A second Indiana judge on Friday blocked the state from enforcing its law banning most abortions after Jewish, Muslim, and other non-Christian women challenged it in a lawsuit. Marion County Superior Court Judge Heather Welsh issued a preliminary injunction against the Republican-backed law, which prohibits abortions with limited exceptions for rape, incest, lethal fetal abnormalities, or a serious health risk to the mother, of which the last I support, and I'm on the fence with the fetal abnormalities. You know, lethal, okay. Uh, the plaintiffs have argued that the measure infringes on religious freedom protected by another state law. Uh, since when does religious freedom allow you to kill a baby? Even Margaret Sanger, who founded what was become to become Planned Parenthood, was against abortion. She loved the idea of eugenics, though. Look it up, as I said earlier. The judge issued her injunction after a group called Hoosier Jews for Choice. Well, that sounds like a discriminatory name, doesn't it? And five individual women challenged the abortion law under Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Quote, although some religions believe that human life begins at conception, this is not an opinion shared by all religions or all religious people. The ACLU said in a statement, well, it should be. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Biologists determine what is life, be it here or on Mars or someplace else. There are five criteria involved. When a fertilized egg attaches itself to the uterine wall in a human, all five criteria have been met. It is a life and it should not be killed except in self-defense of one's own life. So yeah, I said it. And last but not least in tidbits... The overlords, better known as the Biden administration, asked the Supreme Court to pause a Texas U.S. District Judge decision to hear arguments on the merits of a student loan case at the same time that it tackles a challenge pursued by six mostly Republican states. Shouldn't asking for a pause by SCOTUS be considered obstruction of justice? Barring health issues, could you ask for a judge to put a hold on whatever issue you may have? I doubt it. 
Does Brandon the worst ever seek the holy decision made by Democrat-controlled states? Uh, I can't think of any, can you? SCOTUS did not act on Biden's request to immediately lift the Eighth Circuit's injunction, but did fast-track the case for oral arguments in late February or early March. As you probably know, President Alzheimer's did bribe debt-saddled former college students with forgiveness in exchange for their vote. Those who opposed it say it is unfair to those who paid back their loans or, like me, never even went to college. And it could also add to inflation. The more government spends, the more inflation happens. Exactly what the point is that I'm trying to get at. And not only that, but it also teaches people that you just don't need to be responsible. Hey, buy whatever you want, never pay it back. But hey, that's socialism. The judge said it was irrelevant if Biden's plan was good public policy because the program was, quote, one of the largest exercises of legislative power without congressional authority in the history of the United States, unquote. Now, if we could only get judges to think that way on 90% of the things that get passed by executive orders, Executive orders were meant for national security threats, not economic policy. The leader of the overlords, better known as President Biden, justified the plan based on economic harms inflicted by the COVID-19 pandemic and concerns about rising debt delinquency and lower earnings. Hey, so why not just forgive every damn thing? If all debt is bad, why not just let people buy whatever they want, never pay for it, because no one would ever produce anything. That's why. Duh. I mean... Somebody's got to produce, which means somebody has to work. And if you can work, you can pay back your debts. About two weeks ago, though, the idiot in chief extended the repayment pause for the umpteenth time to no later than June 30th. Oh, man, what happened to our country? We've become socialist. That's what. Anyway, with that, I'm going to take a time out. Be back in about 50 seconds. things Dakota Rustler related, please visit dakotarustler.org. The website contains links to media sites, a merchandise store, and a button to donate to the show. Your support helps to pay for expenses of production, as well as research time. Feedback is appreciated, and comments or topic ideas can be sent to the email address listed on the website. Sponsorships are also available if you have a business to promote. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. Second half, this is the main topic, unwarranted surveillance and the devices they use such as stingrays and crossbows. Not what you think. Uh, This is a story from intercept.com. For years, law enforcement used the devices without obtaining a court order or warrant. 
Even when they did seek approval from a court, they often described the technology in misleading terms to make it seem less invasive. They would often refer to the device in court documents as a pen register device, which is something that they used to use to tap phones. Passive devices that sit on a network and record the numbers dialed from a certain phone number. They withheld the fact that those devices force phones to connect to them, that they force other phones that aren't the target to connect to them, and that they can perform more function than simply grabbing an IMSI number, which is your phone's identifier. Most significantly, they withheld the fact that the device emits signals that can track a user and their phone inside a private residence. What are they? They are stingrays. And now they have upgraded versions, which are called crossbows, which are kind of like a stingray on steroids. These are tiny little boxes that they used to drive around in police cars. Now you can even fit them into a backpack. And they can pretty much take them anywhere and spy on anyone anytime. What exactly is a stingray? Stingray is the generic name for an electronic surveillance tool that simulates a cell phone tower in order to force mobile phones and other devices to connect to it instead of a legitimate cell tower. In doing so, the phone or other device reveals information about itself and its user to the operator of the Stingray. The surveillance equipment is pricey and often sold as a package, which years ago cost up to $148,000, not including training and maintenance. Documents obtained by the American Civil Liberties Union indicate upgrades to the Stingray to a newer device called a crossbow. However, we there's not a whole lot of information is known about the crossbow and how it works. Because the Stingray is not really a tower on the carrier's network, calls and messages to and from a phone can't go through while the phone is communicating with a Stingray. So after the Stingray captures the device's IMSI number and location, the Stingray releases the phone so that it can connect to a real cell tower. And this takes matter in a split second. Uh, law enforcement can use a stingray either to identify all of the phones in the vicinity of a stingray or a specific phone. Well, I've never seen a warrant to, you know, spy on everyone's phone. And it can do so even when the phones are not in use. Law enforcement can then, with a subpoena supposedly, ask a phone carrier to provide a customer name and address associated with that number or numbers, but I'm guessing they probably know that ahead of time. They can also obtain a historical log of all the cell towers a phone has pinged in a recent past to track where it has been, or they can obtain the cell towers by its pinging in real time to identify the user's current location. By catching multiple IMSI numbers in the vicinity of a stingray, law enforcement can also potentially uncover associations between people by seeing which phones ping to the same cell towers around the same time. In addition to collecting the IMSI number of a device and intercepting communications, military-grade IMSI catchers can also spoof text messages to a phone. How about that? 
versions of the devices used by the military and intelligence agencies can potentially inject malware into targeted phones, say as a listening device, depending on how secure the phone is. Now, this may be a good thing if we're trying to catch murderers, rapists, and a handful of other serious criminals. But as we all know, once government has a tool, they abuse the tool as in the next paragraph. And before I get to that, let me just say, if they can turn your phone into a listening device and they can do this without warrant, which they've done numerous times, they can pretty much spy on you whenever they want, even inside your home. This should not be taking place. This is dictatorship in 1984 gone way too far. U.S. law enforcement use of stingrays domestically is more curtailed, supposedly, given that they, unlike the military, need to obtain warrants or court orders to use the devices in federal investigations. However, there is little transparency or oversight around how the devices are used by federal agents and local police. They can also jam communications. Dakota Access Pipeline protesters at Standing Rock, North Dakota in 2016 described planes and helicopters flying overhead that they believed were using technology to jam mobile phones. Protesters described having problems such as phones crashing, live streams being interrupted, and issues uploading videos and other posts to social media. Or, well, maybe it was just because they're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, cell tower reliability on native lands probably isn't that good for the most part. Sad to say, but I don't know that for a fact. That's just what I would think. The earliest public mention of a Stingray-like device being used by U.S. law enforcement occurred in 1994. In a case in Utah in 2009, an FBI agent revealed in a court document that cell site simulators had been used by law enforcement for more than a decade. Recent documents obtained by the ACLU indicate that between 2017 and 2019, Homeland Security Investigation Units used the Stingrays at least 466 times in investigations. Were they all for major criminals? Yeah, let's hope so. BuzzFeed News had previously obtained records showing that from 2013 to 2017, Homeland Security had used the technology 1,885 times. How many people who are innocent got caught up in all that? One such document revealed years ago showed that the Baltimore Police Department, by itself, had used the cell site simulator 4,300 times over an eight-year period and signed a non-disclosure agreement with the FBI that instructed prosecutors to drop cases rather than reveal the department's use of the Stingray. That means criminals, perhaps violent criminals, which is why these are supposedly used, walk free. Other records indicate law enforcement agencies have used the technology hundreds of times without a search warrant. As for the upgraded crossbow devices, they may just be an upgrade to listen in on the new 5G networks. But knowing government, it's probably far more invasive and insidious. Listen to the next couple of sentences. 
Drew J. Wade, chief of the chief of the Office of Public Affairs at the U.S. Marshals, told a reporter with Motherboard in an email, quote, we cannot confirm the use of any specific sensitive equipment and techniques that may be deployed by law enforcement. To do so would allow criminal defendants to determine our capabilities and limitations in this area, unquote. In other words, they can spy on you and don't have to tell you. Oh, when asked about any intelligence, when asked about any investigative techniques which the Marshal Service used in furtherance of ordinary law enforcement operations, the Army and Navy did not provide a statement. So that there tells you, since they're not providing a statement, yeah, they used it when they weren't supposed to. They did it for ordinary law enforcement. I can't remember where I read it, nor can I find it again, but I saw a report of where the crossbow is so accurate it can supposedly locate what room you're in, even if you're in a major multi-floor apartment complex. All they have to do is go around the building a few times, and the strength of the signal gives them the exact distance. They can just kind of triangulate it, and they know what room you're in. Anyway, I'm all for catching criminals, but if this is used for anything other than murderers, rapists, and other serious violent offenders, it needs to be strongly opposed. The problem is, when it comes to government, the foxes always rule the chicken coop. So, yeah, you're being surveilled. Just assume wherever you go, if you've got your phone on you or your tablet or anything else, just assume that yeah, government could be spying on you, even if they're not spying on you. They just might be spying on somebody around you, and you get caught up in it. So, anyway, that is another podcast. Uh, stay tuned for next week's podcast. It'll uh, come out Wednesday as usual. Till then, you know the mantra. Question authority. And always be free. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of DL Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day, and don't forget to subscribe.